Welcome back to Primary Educator. Today we are going to be talking about transitions. For the usual, I would like to start with another brain smart start. So today we're going to do some lines breathing. For those of you that don't know what lines breathing is, we are going to take a big amount of air, a big gulp of air in through our nose. And then as we exhale it out through our mouth, we're going to make a line type noise. So on the count of three, we're gonna breathe in. And then once we have all the air in our stomachs, or rather our lungs, we are going to <clears throat> make a huge lion's noise and breathe out. So three, two, one. <sighs> I really like the breathing exercises because I think it reminds me to recenter and how much my breath can control my mind and my brain states. So we are going to transition into what brain state we're feeling today. Uh, as you might have listened in my first podcast, we have the green, which is executive state, which is you're ready to rock and roll. Blue, which is the emotional state. So you might be struggling with a little bit of emotions or something else is going on that's a little bit bigger deal. But no worries, we can easily do some breathing exercises and work through whatever's going on and get to the executive state. And then we have red, which is the, um, it is the survival state, and that is where we are not going to be able to input any new information into our brains because we are just fight or flighting. I want everyone to, on the count of three, shout out what brain state they're in. So three, two, one, I would say I'm in the blue. Life has been a little rocky right now, so I'm definitely dealing with a lot of the emotional stuff. However, it's okay, you know, I'm working through it, and I'm learning about transitions. So, in the spirit of transitioning, I am going to introduce why I picked this as my second podcast topic. So, for me, uh, there's been a lot of transitions lately. I have finished up the last um, of my finals in the past month for my second year of college, and then I had to move up, all, pack up all my stuff and take it home. And I was home for five days, kind of living in extreme disarray, and then I went on a road trip with my friends, and then I moved back to Dayton in order to um, start an internship at one of the local schools, which I'm super grateful to be doing this summer. And on my first night being home, I remember staying in the shower and just thinking about how transitioning from college to my home where I went to high school and was in school for all my years is such a difficult transition. And for me, I always feel a little conflicted between the person that I am now and the person that I was in high school. Not that they're extremely radically different, but the positive side of me is definitely more expressive this time around, and I've just been working on a lot of stuff lately, and I like who I am in college so much better, but every time I go home, it's just a little, it's a large adjustment to go back to, like, having parents and having, like, a curfew of sorts, and the whole house is kind of shutting down at 1030, where in college, you kind of just do whatever you want to do. So, in order to ease my brainwaves a little bit, I thought, you know what, this is a great second podcast idea to talk about transitions. So in the words of Sue, which is one of the resources I looked at, a transition is a major behavioral adaptance without, within a relatively short period of time. So this will include like changes in your identities, roles, and responsibilities. So if I think back to myself, my identity shifts when I go home from being a college student to being in a sort, like a child, like a worker, like 
back to who I was in high school, where, like, my parents are taking care of me, like, making sure that I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And my role is also a little bit different because I'm not grinding out homework and having to buy myself groceries. My parents are taking care of that for me. And similarly with responsibilities, like, there's a lot less responsibilities when you go home because your parents are, while they are still encouraging me to be independent and take care of myself, there are certain small things that I no longer need to do for myself. And so this huge transition is also um, what Mustafa talked about was a departure from familiarity and an entry into novel, uh, initially unpredictable environments. So for me, the unpredictable environment recently was transitioning into an internship and having to move into a completely new household and like integrating myself into three other people's lives in their kitchen and their bathroom, of course. And then having to go into a school that I have spent a little bit of time in, but not in the same capacity that I am right now, and filing into all these students' lives who are already going through so many struggles just to get to school every day and being able to have them respect and listen to me. And this was like a big, huge thing. However, one of my resources talked about how... um, Transitions are also about how we organize our lives around how others are organizing their own and ours. So this also comes from the idea that institutions reinforce how life course and transition happens, which I strongly believe because as I'm a college student, the institutionalized acceptance is traditionally, that was a lot of big words at once, but the path that most people choose or like what is culturally accepted at this moment in time is like you go to high school for your four years, get your diploma, and then you're going to college. And like that transition helps because like most of your friends are also going through this and like you can um, talk to them and like work through it. But at the same time, like the transition is just like a lot to deal with, especially when you're going from high school into college. And This also bleeds into the idea that there's a maximum amount of change that an individual can manage before they're prone to a breakdown. And I definitely can identify that with that. I feel like most people can. Because when you're already managing so many emotional and um, social changes to go through like a physical transition of like maybe moving or um, like a title change when you're going from student to professional, like that is a big, huge adjustment to work through and oftentimes we're kind of left on our own when we are not moving like in a traditional sense and with this there are multiple different theories and ideas about how we deal with our transitions so there are three that I really liked so far that I found there's a life course theory so this is the dynamic interplay between persons processes context and time that determines stability and change in developmental trajectories such as aging So this one I really like because it's talking about how um, there is definitely like a stability related to everyone. Like if we look back to like college and like transitioning from high school into college, like everyone around us is also transitioning to college. So that kind of like helps like make it feel a little bit more stable and like our change is a little bit better. But also um, when there are people around us that aren't doing that, it kind of like makes it a little bit more chaotic and we feel like we're not doing what we're supposed to be doing or like we're falling behind or we're speeding ahead of all of our friends. And that can be make like the whole transition into a new identity a little bit more difficult. Then there's also like the liquid modernity, 
which is how social structures and institutions limit individual choices and shape routines or patterns of acceptable behavior. So I was thinking about how this is like along the lines of how most people are going to college. And when people say like, oh, like I'm going straight into the workforce, like people will say like, oh, like, are you like, what are you planning to do? Like if you were to say, oh, hey, like I'm going to go like backpacking, people are going to be like, oh, like how do you have the money for that? Like what about your education, blah, 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 blah. Instead of being like, wow, like I wish when I was 20, I had decided to go backpacking. And so this is like how we are constructing ourselves and designing a career. Um, even like with what I'm doing this summer, like I can, like I know my parents were, or my, yeah, my parents in general were like a little bit surprised that I wasn't returning home for the summer because like that was like the acceptable behavior in their mind was that I would come home and like work at the grocery store and be wildly fulfilled there. But then I chose to do something that is fulfilling future Natalie and I mean present Natalie, of course, because I love working with the children. And this is um, along the lines of how the con- the career construction theory works, which is how we're expressing self-concepts and goals through our career choices. So one of my goals for myself is to become a better educator. So I'm picking to work at an internship that is going to fuel why I want to be an educator. A lot. Additionally, I have, because of no student teaching this entire semester, it has made it a little bit more like challenging for me to re- remember why I want to be an educator. And so in taking this internship, I'm able to um, remind myself that I want to be a teacher and that I'm good at being a teacher and that the only way to like work through this is to do it. So our my sense of identity is super important because it fuels my understanding of what goals I want to achieve. And uh, one of the resources talked about how transitions are also about like taking stock of your own coping resources and taking charge of strengthening one's resources. So like when you're going through a transition, like how are you like make like easing the transition in a sense or like making it a little bit more manageable? Like are you um, reaching out and talking to your friends maybe? Are you isolating yourself? Are you making sure to spend extra time like exploring the new area if you're moving? Or, like, giving yourself self-care time, which can look like a multitude of things. It could be, you know, reading a book instead of watching TikTok or going for a run to take care of yourself physically, mentally, and emotionally, especially for me. Um, Like, these different strategies are what help you work through a transition. Like, for me, I know I need, like, an extreme, not an extreme, I need some sort of a routine in order to work through what I'm going through and so like the first week of moving here and like starting my internship was extremely chaotic for me because I didn't know who I was I didn't know what I was doing I was trying to figure out how to be a student but also being the adult like being in the classroom like being assertive being a teacher and without like an external routine of like okay I go to work at this time like I go to like eat dinner at this time like all that routine stuff like really made transitioning initially very difficult but also with transitions is how much of an importance are mattering, and that is the feeling of counting or making a difference is. So Rail talks about how this is when other people are depending on us and care about what happens to us, our own lives, and so social connections that help promote a psychological well-being. So this can be some things such as like staying in school or... Um, you know, connecting with friends when you're doing something, like, making sure, like, other people are caring about us and, like, 
that we care about them. Or for me, I feel like I am making a difference when I am going to the school and like helping the kids. And like, it's super rewarding for me to watch them fill out a math worksheet and like finally understand it or really any, any activity. And if I under, like explain it to them and then they suddenly like know and remember how to do it, like, I feel like I made a difference for them. And so like my own significance is based on the fact that I have like helped them. And Thomas writes about how there's an integration into social groups earlier into transition can help reduce negative mental health consequences. And I definitely strongly agree with that and can relate to it because for me, um, like moving in with a friend has made it a lot easier because then like I have like a support group and am able to like hang out and like have a good time and also be working. And if I didn't have that support group, like if I were living in a dorm or like an apartment all by myself like this like whole transition time would be a lot more difficult plus like there's no sounding board to talk about like what's going on or like if something is bothering you or just like the daily challenges that we all face um the other part of it was the marginality which is the feeling of not fitting in or being needed or accepted so I can agree with this because, like, at first when I started in my internship, like, the students didn't necessarily, like, look to me for help because, you know, I was a new person and, like, why they don't know how much I know. But then, like, this, it can be helped a lot by Nancy Schlossberg. She has a lot of good research on transitions. A lot of her work recently is focusing on um, older adults, so I didn't dive as deeply into it as what I had wanted to, but she talks about how rituals can help manage these feelings because um, when we don't have routines, our shifts and changes make everything more difficult, which kind of stems back into, like, me struggling my first week of my internship because I didn't have a routine and how, like, terrible that was for me, and I can definitely... I think that that's important to remind ourselves is like, while everything might be chaotic when we're going through a transition, you can kind of sneak some sort of a routine or ritual into your daily activities or practice or whatever you're doing. Like maybe it's doing yoga when you get up or going for a run at night. Maybe it's painting or listening to music, like texting someone every single day. Like that definitely helps with the transition because then you're not as stressed out and like you don't feel so alone. Because you're able to talk to your friends and, like, have some sense of normalcy. With the younger elementary school kids, transitions, such as, like, moving out of schools, can be very, like, detrimental to their health and their well-being. It's called the cumulative risk, or risk factors not just in isolation, but also from overlapping factors can cause a lot of damage. So this can... um, bleed into like their academic performance, their social engagement, and their ex- educational expectations. Because when they are shifting to and from different schools, um, there's like a lot of different changes. So maybe like your GPA might start to suffer or like you might have course failure because you're adjusting to new teachers. Also, there, like, there will be like a behavioral shift because if you're going from one culture of a school that may be students, um, have a little bit more attitude and sass with the teacher and then you're going to a school where like everyone um like is super respectful have a lot of conversations like super well like just a different culture in general this is going to be a different and like a super difficult transition because you're being expected to go into a completely new culture 
and dynamic that you might not be used to. And one way to like really help this is to make sure that there is a little bit more development of students' social and emotional skills in a positive context because when they're not faced with how like a transition like methods to manage or like work through their transition, like they're just going to find ways to poke holes through everything. And also when there is a better transition, then students are going to have a better perception of the educational system, which is important because if you're transitioning at say seventh grade and you're looking for high schools, like you're going to want to have a positive transition in order to want to continue educating yourself. And as kids get older and older, they start to make their own choices such as that but also one big huge thing is to note like that the period of disequilibrium can cause a lot more like emotional problems which makes sense because when you it's like how we started with identifying if we're in executive state or survival state emotional state if you're going through things that are like big shifts like you're probably not operating in the executive state so you're going to be in the emotional state and if you're in an emotional state like everything is not sitting right in your world. So you're going to be experiencing like a lot more highs and a lot more lows because you're in this period of disequilibrium. However, social media is proven to have like a super powerful benefit to the transitions because of three different social capitals, which Thomas talks about within his paper. So there's the bridging social capital, which is when there's loose connections between individuals. And I think this one was interesting because it talks, like, the most about um, when you kind of, like, know people, but you don't, like, you maybe don't hang out after school. And then there's the bonding social capital where there's more emotionally close bonds. And this is, like, your really good friends. Like, you talk about some serious stuff. And they're probably what elementary schoolers would label, like, your best friend. Maybe not elementary schoolers, but older kids are going to be like, oh, this is my best friend. Like, I can talk about anything. And then there's maintain social capital, which allows an individual's ability to maintain social networks while distanced. So, for instance, like, a lot of my social capital is within the maintained state because while being in college, when you're on breaks, you have to find ways to connect with your friends because you're physically distanced. And social media is one of those ways that initiates, maintains, and allows for social information seeking between people because you're able to easily go on Instagram or Snapchat and see like, oh, hey, like so-and-so is at this place. Like I think like that bar is really cool. So you can initiate like a conversation about it. You can also maintain because you're able to see how other people are interacting with their world and talk about it with them. And make these connections without like being physically close to each other and also seeking we've all spent a little bit of time looking for someone's ex or whatever in order to like understand what's going on in someone else's life however there is also we have to keep in mind that there's this thing called the chilling effect which it is how people constrain themselves on social media due to the peer surveillance on social media So when you're transitioning, you're probably, uh, maybe it was not the best phrasing. When you're going through a transition, you, like, I can remember when I was starting to, like, look for roommates in college, I remember thinking, like, oh, man, like, I should look through my Instagram, like, delete any photos I don't really like of myself anymore because I don't want people to think that I'm dorky or weird or whatever. 
which is such a high school outlook on life. But at the same time, um, we want to put like our best like perspective of how we present ourselves. And it bleeds into the idea of like having an authentic or a perfect Instagram page. Like, are, are we choosing to have who we really are on Instagram? Or are we choosing to have a super perfect, like beautiful, like every photo is photoshopped and made exceptionally more gorgeous than what it already originally was because we are all beautiful in our own ways. And so the chilling effect can kind of impact how we are choosing to interact with our social media and it can greatly benefit our transitions in life, but it can also at times um, create it a little bit more tricky. The last thing that I want to talk about is about how transitions are super subjective and it's because of how we're interpreting and responding to situations. So like sometimes when we go through a transition, it's not even just about the transition itself. It's also about what we thought was going to happen or what didn't happen that we were planning for. And these things are all going to like go and like marinate in our brain and like impact how we interact with the world and how we're handling different situations. Um, because each action is related to a transition from the social world. And we have to remember that a lot of these transitions are institutionalized, as I already mentioned, but at the same time, when we are creating our own definition of self and creating our own identity, we should also be transitioning in ways that make us feel the most comfortable or how we want the world to perceive us. Because at the end of the day, we are being perceived by other people, which can be crazy but it's also pretty cool. So with that, I am leaving. I'm going to transition into a new podcast topic. We're doing restorative justice. I'm hoping to have it done in about a week and a half to two weeks. We'll see with the transition out of the after school program and into a little more fluid time with work. And then we'll be going into the summer program for the students. So that will be super exciting. I will make sure to weave in stories about work into the podcast because that's also what the podcast is, is for reaching out to parents and other teachers, students, anybody that wants to learn a little bit more through a lens that I have. And I think that it is time to transition out of this podcast. Talk to everyone soon. Reach out if you ever have any information and I'll make sure to link all of the references within the description bio for my podcast.